because the budget of this film was like something like 32 million dollars mm-hmm. and they were still paying off uh moonraker because <laughs> <laughs> 10 years ago they had, over 10 years yeah they had overspent on moonraker so they were still repaying the interest <laughs> Hello and welcome to the For Your Ears Only podcast. Tonight's episode, we're looking at 1989's Licence to Kill, directed by John Glenn. I'm Jack and this is Derek. Hello. So, this episode, a special episode, not only because it's Timothy Dalton's last episode, but it's also a happy birthday. A happy birthday to us. Yes. This, this podcast is a year old. We are one. We are one. I don't know when this is going out, but on the 1st of March, I think we launched our episode no. number one. No, it was February last year, I think it was. Well, it's already out, so we're a year old, yes. and I think we put a big Instagram post up about how much younger we looked. But we're not older or wiser, we are just... We're not older? We're just regressing. <laughs> okay. We are regressing here, in every sense. But yes, this is John Glenn's final film. Mm-hmm. It's Timothy Dalton's final film. And last episode, The Living Daylights actually surprisingly ranked second. So can Timothy Dalton top it? Can he go to the top spot? Let's find out. Let's ask him. Let's see. Derek. Yes. What did you think? I loved this film. It was great. There's, there's not much more to say with it. <laughs> and that's all. Thanks, folks. <laughs> No, I, I really enjoyed it. I liked it when I was younger. If anything, I was a bit shocked when I was younger because right. it is much more violent uh-huh. than the other Bond movies or even some of the other movies at the time. And I think that really adds to it. I think that's what makes it good. You think that makes it better? I think, I think this, is a, this is a bit of a, a divisive Bond movie. Yes. Not in terms of quality, but this whole Bond story was put together on the premise of being very like the novel character. Yes. But it veers away from the character we've started to become accustomed to. Kind of, not goofy, but yeah. kind of funny gadgets, one lines. Over the top. Yeah, the, yeah. Th- that's that's where it's more of a... A theatrical liking. Yes. The sort of novel version and the film version are different, especially with the, the Roger Moore era. And now we're kind of doing a sort of course correction or a change of tone. Yeah. And that just makes... Which works it, at the time. It's kind of like the whole thing with the whole For Your Eyes Only, but that... Was I hated bit, that. It was a bit jarring. Yeah, it was a bit jarring because that was trying to almost bring it back down to yeah. Earth. But it just wasn't the time for that. And it wasn't the right bond and it just didn't work. Yeah. And then this took that same formula and went, just add some more violence and blood. Yeah, add more and blood. drugs. <laughs> just add everything in there and see. And it yeah. just it worked well. But again, maybe at the time that's just that's how it really worked. And it people still like it. I loved it. I like I liked it when I was a child. When I watched it again, I was like, that was just that was just great. And then when I went back to watch it again, I, I was looking forward to going back to see it. Kind of okay. like with Octopussy, but I was like, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I just enjoy sitting watching this movie. Mm. 
I think you're right when you're saying it's divisive because I'm on the other side. Do you not like it? Not that I don't like it. I just it's not a bad film. It's just not. You are wrong. One of the best. It's films. not. It's not what people would call this stereotypical Bond. No, I think it maybe kind of <coughs> falls a bit into becoming too contemporary, too of its time. It's like very 80s, late 80s action film rather than a James Bond film. I thought it was more... Because it's, it's a lot of think it's a, I think it's like actually just like a movie of vengeance. That's the whole thing. Yeah, but I just I think it's too cemented in that late 80s action star versus the drug criminal in Miami big flowy shirts and stuff i'm like eh. what other movies like that eh, the other bit, side of scarface it just reminds <laughs> me of like scarface or like some sort of miami vice thing mm. or like some sort of action film just from the james 80s bond in it. the only thing that makes it different is, is that james bond's in it rather than i don't know Al Pacino. <laughs> I don't know. I think it ticks a lot of boxes. I think that's, that kind of keeps it a bit it's very different mm-hmm. from anything that's came before and probably anything since. There's yeah. a, one thing that I didn't actually like was there was a lot of like swearing in it. And I was like... <laughs> what when he says, watch the birdie, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, and then like it happens like three or four times and I get why it's now a 15 rating mm-hmm. or is it pg-13 in america no it's 15 that's i guess it only because i think pg-13 is like 12 equivalent mm, that would make sense which all the james bonds about apart from this i thought the 15 was because of the swearing and the shark eating someone alive yeah. and the guy exploding and the many other oh there's lots of death gore yeah gore but yeah yeah so that was our thoughts our initial thoughts I didn't like it as much as Derek liked it. And in the next hour, I will sway your opinion. (laughs) We will debate this. So, let's go and talk about something that we missed out in the last episode, which you think is very important, which is the history. Mm -hmm. What is the world like in the late 80s? The world is controlled by the drug cartels. I think that's it. It's just... Because it's all over the news and people know about what's happening in America, not so America, but South America into Florida and Miami because that was the mm-hmm. the export channel really for drugs and how they controlled everything and controlled the politicians and everything like that. I think they wanted to make it, but because the, the previous film was all about Cold War, and they were like, we still, yeah, we still doing this all kind about of thing. The Russians. Yeah, we still kind of get away from the Cold War, but then to have a the villain is a drug dealer, mm-hmm. like an international drug dealer. And not only that, but he kills an ally of Bond in a very horrific fashion. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't kill him, actually. He's not dead. It's uh, the first day of the rest of his yes, life. Kills his wife and then, I don't know, disables him. Um, okay. Removing limbs and legs with a shark, which is pretty gruesome but thinks he can get away with everything and buy people off. And it's that whole thing of, well, the Americans aren't going to help. No, it's not in our jurisdiction. And he's like, well, I'm just going to kill everyone then. Yes. I like the idea that it's a revenge (coughs) thriller. And Mm -hmm. I think that it is very modern. 
like for late 80s everything the world was i guess the, the sort of drugs were at its height i guess and the, the sort of 80s it's also like reagan excess. thing isn't it reagan smash yeah um, the war on drugs war on drugs, that's drugs are saying. destroying the world that drug guy, dealers are the devil the narcos thing. guy what's his name pablo escobar yeah it's got that sort of vibes to narcos it. Yeah, I think that was it. It's very relatable with everyone. Obviously, the movies Corruption and such around about that time, and you've got like like Scarface. You've mm-hmm. got um, when did Blow come out? Was that the eighties? With Johnny Depp. Yeah, it must have been the nineties. Must have been the nineties. Um, Goodfellas had an element of drugs and stuff. Oh, an element of drugs. <laughs> Flushed them down the toilet. <laughs> yes, an element of drugs. So everyone, yeah. everyone knew the the whole background of drugs and what drugs are doing in society that's helps my point that it's very um rooted and it's very like commonplace story we're going with i see what you mean the 90s was when cocaine everything was completely eradicated we don't hear of cocaine anymore no what i mean (laughs) is that what you're saying jack yes we won the war on drugs (laughs) we won it we won but what I mean is, like, every film was, like, action hero kills drug lord from Colombia and that kind of... What's it? In the late 80s stuff. Name another movie. Scarface. <laughs> no, Scar- no, Scarface was the antagonist and kind of but the protagonist. It, but yes, but it was all about drugs. Yeah, but he was the villain. He wasn't someone to look up to. It was, I don't know, it's got, it just has very <laughs> 80s action star rather than James Bond. Like, I thought a Die Hard or a Lethal Weapon mm-hmm. or, to an extent, Robocop. All these kind of, like, late 80s things. Robocop! <laughs> <laughs> it just has that sort of vibe to it that I'm like, it's that James Bond is just one of these films rather than it being its own mm-hmm. thing. Well, I'll try and push it. But yes, you. I get that. There was a lot of... Col- Yes, Colombian cartels, <coughs> Mexican corruption, and all that sort of Central America stuff going on, which is what this was all influenced by. But I do like the the plot line of a revenge thriller. I think this, I don't know if it's not exactly original, but it's probably one of the first to kind of do that. When, yeah. when does Bond, he does it again. He well, goes, goes rogue. Like Quantum of Solace. Stop yes. his passports and his credit cards and stuff. That's and right. Go all that whole thing. But this I, is I, the first time doing yeah. that. And I guess it sort of predates <clears> all the sort of Bourne stuff where he's, is he not a rogue agent in that? I can't uh, really remember much about the Bourne things. Mission Impossible is always like, Ethan Hint. Yeah. No matter Gary's been hinted by his own government. Now he has to kill the government. Yeah, and he exactly. does. He does six times. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, That's I thought it was quite t- funny that the movie was originally going to be called License Revoked. But then MGM yep. didn't think that American audiences would understand what revoked meant. What does it mean? No one knows. But yeah, I, I thought that was a bit... thought it was something to do with your driver's license. It was kind of the joke that you thought you didn't know what it meant. <laughs> James Bond can't even try. <laughs> he goes in a cute branch to get his like, mountain bike. Here's your, here's your moped. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, like... um. Well, actually, to be honest, that does actually make sense. That license revoked, it could mean anything. It could mean, nah, you've got a driving ban. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you park with them. <laughs> That's, you got 12 points. Yeah, license to kill, I think, just, um, it makes a bit more sense for the, the term. But, yeah, I think it needed something different. It just needed something where it was him kind of going, 
Because it's not like he's on holiday. He was meant to be somewhere. I'm not going to say where he was in case that's one of your questions, but he was meant to be somewhere. Yeah. And he's like, he somewhere. essentially what happened is James Bond didn't show up for work. <laughs> yeah. Where were you? You were meant to be here. Well, Pers- a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, personal matter. Right, well, I need you to come back and do your job or I'm going to fire you. You can't fire me if my quit first. <laughs> That's what happened. That was it, yep. Threatened to get fired. You can't fire me if I quit. I'm, ta- I'm taking this gun. I'm keeping this. And then goes and kills a lot of people. Yeah, and then does that. But then, I don't know what happens after if he gets supported. Well, you have to tell the world because it's your turn to, oh, yeah. to give the two minutes. We went very far into the episode without the two minutes. I was hoping that you maybe forgot, but... Oh, no. I just needed a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Derek's going to give the two-minute synopsis of this film. I've failed once, and I feel like you've failed once as well. Mm-hmm. So we you expect me to fail now? I expect you to fail. Okay. Uh, Although it's quite straightforward, I guess. Yeah, I think a, a lot of it is just following little clues, spy stuff. Mm. You know, you know that mm. old thing. Yeah, well, remember the phrases you can't say. Right, okay, are you ready? Yes. I'm going to give you five, four, three, <coughs> two, one, go. Okay. The movie begins with uh, James Bond and Felix Leiter going to Felix's wedding. Um, en route, the DEA get in touch. There's no one else apparently that can catch... Um, I was going to say Scaramanga. <laughs> oh, no, the drug dealer Sanchez. So Felix and James Bond go to get Sanchez. They capture him, put him in the truck, and then they make the wedding. Enter title sequences. Uh, Sanchez then bribes one of the local police guys to let him go. He goes back. He gets um, Felix Leiter and his wife, kills the wife, feeds Leiter to a shark, and then James Bond hears about that. Drug dealers got out, went back, finds obviously the dead body and his half-alive friend, mm-hmm. speaks to local law enforcement. It turns out they can't do anything because Sanchez is out of their jurisdiction. James Bond then goes to a local shark place, finds that there's, this is infested with drugs and a couple of other people, f- falls down some leads, yep. shoots up the place, then MI6 One and minute. the American government get involved to try and get him to stop doing that. Yep. Then he follows clues, finds someone called Pam Bouvet from a document in Felix's office. Yeah. Um, teams up with her. They then realise that Sanchez is ahead of this whole thing. They go down to, I think it's Mexico, um, with the stolen money that he's taken from this shark place. Pretends to be a wealthy person, infiltrates there, gains Sanchez's trust, starts to break down parts of the... Seconds. 30 seconds. Starts to break down parts of the organisation, then learns through gaining Sanchez's trust that the he is working with the Chinese to put drugs into gasoline, put it over the border, and then use a chemical process to take the drugs back out. After a wild trucker trace, he destroys all the, the gasoline <laughs> things and kills Sanchez, and, and that's it. Okay, it's 155. Was that, was that it? Yeah, it's good enough. Just follows clues. <laughs> just yeah, follows clues. Places the infiltrates. I forgot about the the, the gruesome deaths, but oh, there's many gruesome deaths. Yeah, Lessons I think revoked. I think one of the 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 points I had about this movie is obviously the dark opening. It really mm-hmm. does set the tone straight away with the whipping, and then the guy yes. having his heart removed. 
Alibaba. Yes. <laughs> Not quite Indiana Jones. <laughs> um, I th- I really liked that, and I liked. If I even like talking about the cast and stuff, like Benicio del Toro, for me it was much yeah. more menacing than He's Sanchez. Guy, isn't it? Yeah, David. No, who's Sanchez? Who's the actor that plays him? Is his first name David or is his last name David? Davis. Davis. Steve Davis. Steve Davis. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Um, Not important. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I liked. I, I thought he was very of all henchmen that there's been so far he was probably the one where i was like hmm something very uneasy yeah, about this whole thing about him he has that um i, I knew that it was one of his first ever films because oh, he's, only, he's only 21 in this mm-hmm. as one of his first ever roles um he has quite a unique way of <laughs> branding a knife brandishing a knife <laughs> <laughs> Very theatre, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was like, is this West Side Story? Even <laughs> Maybe that was it. Maybe it was just to be, you know, big actions. Uh-huh. In the bit in the bar where he tries to like, stab them uh-huh. and just goes right through the middle of both of them. And I was like, okay. It's good. not what I would have done, yeah. but okay. <laughs> good acting. Yeah, I, I just, I he thought that did really kind of set the tone of, right, here's, this, there's scenes in here that is not required. Like, you don't need, it. he could have walked in and said take him away and it's like all right well you know he's going to die and then it's him just grabbing on taking it out and that would have been the sean or roger movies yeah and that would have been it but for him to say whether he promise you his heart okay give him his heart or give her his heart give her his heart oh does he mean and then he takes a knife out and it's like it's like oh Um, no and then he has a whip why does he have a whip on him yeah but just inside his blazer yeah i'm like yeah right that, okay it was like a shot going this is not a roger film <laughs> no this, this is there's this is not. there's nothing funny going on here. <laughs> he's not going to uh, dress as a clown yeah like i think even the tone did continue it wasn't quite as dark as that but there was certain deaths the, the first in the, f- third is the darkest with the, the shark attack the shark i remember that as a boy and i was like yeah. that is no that's no for me <laughs> I forgot they they stayed alive when I watched again. I for, I thought that he was actually dead. Yeah, I forgot that as well. Um, but I was like, that's a. But then in seeing other movies when that happens, you uh, it cuts away. The piranhas, for example, woman screams into the water, gone. Yeah, sharks like that. People go in the water, but a red comes and it goes away. Yeah, whereas this, this they, was kept, like... they kept they kept zooming in everyone's face, and it was just him screaming. And I was like, right, uh-huh. Chunk, okay. chunks of. Body this to me, out. this to me, when you were talking about Scarface, it, re- it really reminded me of is in Scarface when there's like, the whole chainsaw fight in the hotel okay, room, yeah, yeah, and uh, uh-huh. the guy been like butchered. It reminded me of that to a point where it was looking for the actor's expressions going on. That was like, okay, what's going on? Yeah, but yeah, I think the it's one of those movies where you're kind of wanting to. I don't know. I don't know if there's any other James Bond movies where you're kind of rooting for the villain. Not rooting for the villain, but you're like, ah, oh, I get their point, or there's something there, or these, he's just a typical <laughs> just villain. Sell drugs in, the the, world. in this movie, nobody sides with the villains or anything no, like that. No, you mean like an anti-hero? There's no anti-heroes here. Yes. I'm trying to think of other examples where, you know, they maybe get, not a point as to what they're doing, but it's just they believe what they're doing is right uh-huh. kind of thing. You know, the Cold War, for example. 
Yeah. And a lot of that, they just think they're on the winning side, as uh-huh. does the other side. They think they're the winning side. Uh-huh. They, they might be right. doing like, yeah, who who knows what they're doing? Scaramanga knows he's going to kill people, but he's just like, hey. It's a job. It's just my job. <laughs> it's his job. I'm fine with that, you know, especially the kind of Cold War things. This one, he is just... A bad guy. Yeah, he's just a bad... He knows he's bad and he uh-huh. talks to people and... Again, it's that whole thing where he has a reputation where oh, he just buys everyone off. He's, everyone can be bought for going forward and everyone knows it. And I think that's where it's quite threatening. But yeah, to have this like younger person... I can't remember his name. The Benicio Del Toro character. But uh, yeah, it was just very threatening. And again, even as a young child, I always remembered him. I was like, I don't like him. Mm. He's given Dario. me... Dario. Dario. Like, He's given me that... Something. So it's funny you should say mention those two things the whipping and the shark attack because when people say oh timothy dalton made james bond dark those two events were actually taken from the novels yeah mm-hmm. and so it was always that he was he was always gonna have that dark twist in the the books because it's obviously the shark attacks from the novel live and let die and the whippings from a short story called the hinden band rarity I mean, so, the, the, essentially the filter's been taken off for the audience. Yeah. It's like, here's what the books are, and we're just going to put a story together mm-hmm. based on this. That's where I think it's a bit of a weird one. People go, nah, but where's the floating car? Where's the submarine car? And it's like, right, well, that is cinematic, theatrical. Yeah. This is trailer-worthy Bond. Mm-hmm. But the original story, and dare I say the realistic side of it yeah. is this this is what a gangster would do none of this oh there's a laser beam and <laughs> we'll wait for the laser beam to cut you in half in about three hours time <laughs> after you've had enough time to persuade us to go on i tell you my whole plan yeah that whole plot armor yeah. thing where this is you know they okay it's got a shark you defeat you the shark because it's entertaining and yeah that's what it's going to do. So that, I think that's where it's that kind of grittier side. Again, only in the 80s. You wouldn't get that in the 70s, would be. No, no. The, the 80s is really the start mm. of the modern terms. So, question one. We're going to go a bit easy on you because it's a violent film and you're probably all still shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start off with quite a funny question, which is, there's a character who owns a shark place that's... Not a shark place, but has the sharks. His name is Milton Crest. But I would like to know, what is the name of Milton Crest's boat? Oh. I thought you were going Ooh, to say, what, what name does he give Bond? Goodbye. You're Mr. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yes. No. A funny one. It's a, it's a pun, I guess. Anyway, an easy one to let you in. The one he goes after the sharks with. The one, or the big one, the, oh, the big right. one. Uh huh. Okay. It says obviously on the side yeah. of the boat. I think. Speaking of him, yes. another point of this movie is the gory deaths. Mm-hmm. So we have his death again. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> like where did that come from? <laughs> I would like, quite like you to explain the whole. What is the science behind that? Why did the, Why did he explode? Because he was depressurized. So when he cut the pipe with the axe that caused him to explode. So the I'm assuming that the it's a depressurized container. So to go underwater. It, 
No, I don't it? think that goes underwater. I think that the container itself has depression. I don't really know for what function. Mm-hmm. Um, but that will be sealed all over the place. If it's not, then it's not a depressurized thing. Right. So all that they've done is they've bumped the pressure up. Yeah. So that's why he was saying on my ears like that. It's, yeah. Essentially, it's mimicking very, very low down in the sea. And then when he hits that, that drops the pressure unbelievably oh, right. quickly. Because he, he couldn't just do that because the machine has a, a failsafe. Or I don't even know what the machine is. But as soon as he's done that, that's dropped the pressure immediately, probably back up to atmospheric level. But because it comes up that quickly, apparently you would explode. Would it happen? Probably not. So it's like an extreme version of the bends. Yes, but the bends where your head explodes. <laughs> <laughs> Would it work? I don't know. Right, okay. I think it all depends on the size of the container and how, how big reality. he is. And your reality <laughs> reality comes in, yeah. I think it, it was... It very much... In fact, this whole kind of plot kind of does have similarities to Live and Let Die. That was a heroin dealer in America and this mm. is a cocaine dealer in South America. Mm. And that scene alone really reminded me of the death of Mr. Big. Because he, like, obviously gets inflated by Roger Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that horrible, horrible prosthetic thing. Definitely not real. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you for a fact that's not possible. Yeah, that's not possible. I believe I, I kind of got that. I understood that. But, uh, yeah, the, the prosthetics hasn't advanced that much, I thought. I thought it was pretty good. I, no, I thought like it was all right. Years. I think the, the goriest death, I can tell you that, is Dario's death. That was, I hate, see... And, like, the meat grinder. Oh, I hated that. Like, when mm. I was... Not now, I'm okay with it. When I was younger, I hated that. Because it was the whole bit of... See, when he's he's tied and he's, he's moving away and he's going, when you're up to your knees, you'll beg yeah. to tell me. And, and oh no when you're up to your ankles you'll beg to tell me when you're up to your knees you'll kiss my ass for me to kill you yeah, I was like yeah. what's he talking about what's going on here and then when you see him going down I'm like uh-huh. oh that's just that's that's no funny and then <laughs> again when Dario falls in because there's bits where like Dario's bleeding and he like spits on him and things like uh-huh, that I'm yeah, like yeah. that's was that even scripted <laughs> but when he falls in it goes back to the piranha thing with Sean bon appetit and that's him, he's just gone pink mist. Uh-huh. No, no, no. I want to see him slowly move into this and I want him to scream yeah. into the camera. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> so then Definitely there's... Go- I think about the like, kind of gory death. I mean, there's the guy who gets impaled with a forklift as well. Oh, yeah. The I don't really know if forklifts can do that. That, um, the Dario thing before we move on, the, the sort of blood splatters all over the screen and it's like chunks of meat <laughs> come out and splatters on the screen. Yeah. This is very like modern games like yeah of, like zombies or something uh-huh. but then yeah. i suppose it's that thing where the audience is like right i'm glad he's gone now and he yeah. deserves to have that kind of death there was a guy oh even like when they reveal sharky's body he's oh like, yeah he's hung up like a shark like a fish or uh-huh. when he, he just harpens that guy we've seen that before but yeah, even the Sharky's death or yeah. or Felix Leiter being in a body bag and he like unzips it and yes. he's all covered in mud and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's the, very, it's very the note he disagreed with something that ate him. Also from the book, yeah. yeah. Is that in the book, uh-huh. right? So it's like, right, okay. So I, I think, yeah, I, I thought that those kind of things set the tone for the movie that this is, this is a dark movie, this is a vengeance movie and I think it did really well because you're, almost kind of been angry i 
can't quite get as angry as Timothy Dalton. <laughs> no, he's got he's good at anger. Yeah, he can but, crush um, a ball. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it's set that tone where yeah, this is a personal friend, and even the bit of saying you know this isn't personal, this is just business. But mm-hmm. I'm going to just feed you a shark, and I have killed your wife. So there you go. <laughs> um, but it's, they said that told me like no, they need to be stopped. This person does yeah, need to be killed. Bad. And not only that, it's the authorities aren't doing anything. As in like the other movies, the authorities don't seem to do anything either. James Bond just comes in and kills everybody. Yeah, but this is a categorically we can't do anything. You're yeah. on your own. We're not going to do anything. Not only that, we're going to take your license and stuff from yeah, you we're because going to try and stop you. Now I think about you. it, he just straight up murdered people he yeah, could he be taken to court he's, he doesn't have any diplomatic immunity he's killed many many people many people so I thought that was um, yeah I thought that was what made it quite good I think the other kind of points I, I thought was quite funny is the bar fight where the dancer keeps dancing keeps dancing in the middle of it people uh-huh. are fighting she's just still dancing away yeah I guess there is some kind of elements of humour retained in it that's probably to make it not an 18 the swordfish like the swordfish yeah. uh-huh. the swordfish sword fighting a few things there was a bit that I thought I don't even know if that would be possible you know how when um, <laughs> he's on that wee sub like thing and he's opened the thing for all the bag of cocaine and just starts like stabbing oh, yeah, yeah, them up yeah, I was like this, wait would he absorb that? Yeah. Would he like get in the pool just be like, oh! <laughs> 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 twice speed. Just <laughs> All the sparks in the so water. <laughs> just go and just start talking so fast. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> Maybe done in 10 minutes. And then I said this, and then I said this, and then give me that plane, give me that plane, I'm going to take this plane. And I thought, would that happen? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe all the fish though would just be like, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Zooming off. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, there is funny elements in it. Like, even the, the sort of a classic kind of Bond moment would be the the jet the jet ski where he's... Not the jet ski, where he's water Water ski. from you. That's the sort of... You would see that in a Roger film. I think this movie has a lot of Bond moments. This movie is riddled with Bond moments Riddle. which I think is a is quite good to bring it back to a Bond it's that typical thing of something happens and they pull out there yeah, yeah. to say by the way this is a Bond movie this remember is, this is a Bond film I think the the first moment is obviously hanging from the helicopter to grab the plane yes is something that actually happened they, they, there was a, a the actual stuntman went down onto the plane and as soon as he landed on the plane they had to cut it and he had to get off mm-hmm. so apparently if he landed on the plane that would stall the entire plane okay, and it would way. it would go down so he had to do that and then they cut to timothy dalton like grabbing the thing okay and yeah partly that, that is that really sort of ties a plane to a plane a helicopter a, he- a helicopter yeah uh-huh. that is a bond moment uh, which uh, apparently inspired chris nolan for the Dark Knight Rises, because as soon as I see it, I was like, this is the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that was a straight bond moment, because even him in the wedding suit coming down with a... Yeah, yeah, when he's got a big top. <laughs> yeah, as a... How did he... How he, Felix like jumped out the plane with both top hats. And then... I'm like, so, what are you... <laughs> how did you pull the car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was there... 
I bet there wasn't quite a a Bond moment, but I quite liked it. It was maybe like a new Bond moment. Mm-hmm. It's Killifer's death. Where, uh, oh, right, he gives him the, throws him the briefcase. Yeah, and he's like, cash. I'll split that with you. And he's like, no, you ended, old buddy. Yeah. And throws it. And then the shark, which appears to just eat anything that falls in that water. <laughs> Eats the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got that as a sort of bond moment and a one-liner, I guess, because keep it, you oh, yeah. it. And uh, terrible waste. I'm talking oh, yeah, about the money. So I kind of had that. Um, I mean, other moments, you, most of the, the war scheme, but it's kind of coupled with the the actual plane itself and, mm-hmm. and taking over the plane, doing everything in the space of about three minutes. Like, yeah, get off exactly. the boat, then attack the submarine, and then jump up in the plane, empty the plane, steal the plane. <laughs> and yeah, but I, I think the other kind of bond moments as well are more at the end, in my opinion, the tankers. So yeah, we've I was got. I say the wheelie. Well, we've got the wheelie. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't really understand how that was one. possible, or even like a one moment. Like, why couldn't they just? The tires are big enough. Couldn't yeah. you just drive through? <laughs> but they did it, and then that old favorite, the forty-five degree angle truck. Yeah, when it goes up that, see that random oh, pile of yes. dirt uh-huh. <laughs> just in the road. Um, take it out of there. The but, diamonds are forever reference. Yeah, it happened in another movie as well, did it not? It happens in Die Another Day where he flips a car. No, 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 Roger movie. Was it? It was Octopussy and the Mercedes, was it not? I can't remember. There's definitely another movie we spoke about where he goes up on the two wheel. They love doing that. They do love I don't know how they did that because it is real. Yeah. And it is a truck. Would they be used like pistons and stuff they not use? That's how they flip the car in Casino Royale. I bet that's... Like an air cannon, uh-huh. but well, how do they? Not. How do they do it on like? A, no, but they balance the truck. How? Physics must be like a stunt monster truck a driver guy. or something. A guy, guy someone who knows how to do it really, really well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, get through there. There's actually quite an interesting story about that whole area. So they hated filming in that, and that road that they were on was abandoned, but a road because there was so many deaths. Okay. So there's another road, and they said, right, you can have this one. <clears throat> but they seem to think that this road was cursed because there was accidents all the time and things were going wrong. And they were like, ah, no, there's something odd here. And all the crew were like, I'm never coming back here. Like, this is oh, right. this is the last I'm doing this. And there was this really spooky moment where, you know, the stingers? Mm-hmm. The, the, the three stingers. And there's a moment where Sanchez looks out the truck and fires a stinger at the plane yeah and it doesn't hit the fuselage it hits the tail it of the plane and goes out it. yeah so when they did that that was actually a not a real rocket but it was a stunt rocket mm-hmm. so no explosive nothing like that it was just a tube an igniter and just a rocket that goes up now when they made this it had to go at a certain speed to look like a rocket mm-hmm. so when that fired off that just that went yeah. somewhere but they had this entire desert so they thought well not going to hit anybody. <laughs> just fire. <laughs> so, two and a half miles away, there was a guy <laughs> on a telephone pole right. fixing a wire. <laughs> <laughs> this is like some cartoon Looney Tunes thing. <laughs> it's like... It's like white, white like guy. Yeah, it's exactly. And this guy was uh, on 
like just fixing something, just going about his day. <laughs> and this big fucking rocket, if he two and a half miles away, this prop rocket comes over, hits him like right in the arm, really, oh, really, really injured him. I don't know if it broke his arm, but really, really injured him. Clean. I don't know if he get hit and then fell, but it, it came and actually hit him, and he was like, "What the fuck is this?" And they were like, <laughs> "All right, this is for this movie set two and a half miles away. This prop rocket was that effective." And they were like, nah, something's something's eerie in this yeah. area. Something's yeah, not quite that. right here. Um, and I thought that's the actually Bermuda quite Bermuda Triangle of eeriness. Yes, I was like, that's actually quite a, a funny story for it. That everyone's everyone's kind of freaked out. But I think that was the that was the final straw for a lot of people. They were like, nah, nah. If that's going to happen to that guy two and a half miles away. That's going to happen to me like tomorrow. He's, I think he was so far away that he was like behind mountains. And it so went over <laughs> Yeah, he should have claimed to. Yes, probably did. Right, I would like to give you the second question. Okay. Now, this one, another easy one, but you have to listen, I guess, to the start of the film. So, Sanchez is facing a number of years in prison. I would like to know how many years exactly he faces if he goes to prison. Easy. There you go. Another easy one. I wrote that down. (laughs) Um, do you have it? You mentioned about lines there, and you said there was a couple of different lines. Came to a dead end, the forklift. Oh yeah, guy. That's just speaking ill of the dead. <laughs> like most of his. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to give you the stingers. He was trying to be a good guy. That one, and then just you earned it. You keep it. Oh yeah, the thing. I didn't really have that many one-liners <coughs> to be honest. I had those two, and that I, was about it. I only had one. There wasn't even a liner. It was just um. It was that kind of witty exchange where it's like, oh, I help people with problems. Oh, and he's like, okay. oh, problem solver. And he's like, problem eliminator. And it's like... <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like, hmm, I don't I like know. this guy. <laughs> I know what you mean. Who's this guy who's like just come in and looked at the window? <laughs> like, <laughs> Armour glass. Looked at how thick my window is and said he eliminates people. Yeah. I'm good to kill you. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things in this film that I didn't... Uh, like, what was the point in the whole China involvement? And why does China have ninjas? Because it's the <laughs> 80s and how else are, like, studios going to represent China? It must be ninjas. <laughs> the reason China was involved is this movie was actually meant to be set in China originally. And it was too expensive. So they said no. And they okay. said, we need to go somewhere cheaper. And they said, Mexico City. We did that. And it's probably still the same today. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, I, th- I think they just... Because I think it was maybe to explain that this is a, maybe like a global drugs network. Oh, but it's not was... really... Or is it China? Because it turns out he's actually Hong Kong. It's Hong Kong and MI6. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I guess Hong Kong was owned... Was British. I don't know. So... Are they Hong Kong? That's for the history section, and I didn't write that down. <laughs> that's way earlier. Um, I did. Speaking of it being expensive, I knew that this was the first Bond film shot entirely outside of the UK mm-hmm. because there was a tax or a levy subsidising any films 
British films to be filmed in the UK and that was lifted, which meant that to film in the UK would be more expensive because mm-hmm. they didn't get the subsidy. So they decided to not film at all in I, the UK. They just went to Mexico and did everything in Mexico and yep. built all these like mad sets. Uh, but I also discovered the reason, or probably one of the reasons why they didn't want to spend more money than necessary because the budget of this film was like something like $32 million mm-hmm. and they were still paying off uh, Moonraker. Because <laughs> <laughs> 10 years ago? They had, over 10 years? Yeah, they had overspent on Moonraker so they were still repaying the interest on what they... Moonraker made so much money though. I know. Moonraker made like, what, $400 million? But they were still paying off it. So they had like a, le- a small budget and also if there was going to be restrictions in the UK, they had to leave. I don't understand that. I don't, un- like, I do- where'd all the money go? <laughs> where did the money go? <laughs> Where did the money go? The money went into the other films. And uh, <laughs> Timothy Dalton's <laughs> There was a composer. <laughs> John Barry. Yeah. John Barry's He's got it. He's keeping it safe. Huh? Speaking of um, John Barry and such about that, I think, and this, this might be disputed. Yeah. I think that "License to Kill" is the best Bond theme so far. Oh, so far. I think that. I mean, I know Gladys Knight might have not had a hand in the actual writing of the song itself and melody and stuff like that again i don't really yeah. know how much a lot of the I, artists have in writing yeah. oh, obviously shirley bass had nothing to do with moonraker so just came in and signed and you've got like paul mccartney writing everything and wanting to do yeah. that like i don't know what her hand in but i think the first um just the intro of license to kill i don't know i just think it actually just encapsulates a bond movie that it does. weird bass sort of the boom, boom. Yeah, it has and then the, the weird notes. Yeah, it just works really well. The only thing is, I just don't like the chorus. I think the chorus is just chorus is too easy, too what sparkly. Oh yeah, it's very. Yeah. But that's just like. But then the whole verse the and stuff is that great. dun 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 dun. Yeah, that's good. It's, like very that like, uh, it's very like it's very like Eye. It's very like. Dark is, and mysterious, and it is very golden eye, but it was also lifted from Goldfinger. So the I, I get that I was lifted from Goldfinger uh-huh. so much so that they ended up having to pay royalties to people who wrote Goldfinger because it was so similar and it was the basis of their song, so they had to pay them. I guess still better, better than Goldfinger. It's like a an 80s reinterpretation, I guess. It's like a homage, really. Yeah. yeah. It's actually like, oh, we knew you was money. And it's like, it's a James Bond movie. <laughs> like, they all aren't, the aren't, aren't we all a team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I think, it, if anything, it's, 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 a, it's a wee bit kind of leaning towards the 80s thing. I didn't really like the intro with it. But I just, I thought the start of it, when it comes to like, that to me is... Just it's the same bond. Yeah, it's the same feeling as the first time I seen Casino Royale, and it's that and it comes in. You're just like, uh-huh. 
yes and you're like you want to be shot and you're like fucking yeah you're like, ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that exact feeling and the, it, it's like it was such a good opening like it was so action packed it was almost a mini movie in itself it's almost stereotypical I'm going to my wedding <gasps> no the drug dealer's getting away <laughs> dun, dun, dun. let's fly and get him oh no he's going to the airspace it's okay I'm going to fly down and grab the plane. <laughs> In my tux. <laughs> steal the plane and then arrive. It, it was very stereotypical, but then the song comes out and it's all grand. And anytime I hear the start of it, I'm like, that right there is James Bond. You could yeah. de-85 it and mm-hmm. make it any. You could jazz it up. You could make it a bit more modern and add like more guitars and things. But I was like, that is just... yes. And the fact that it's called License to Kill as well... Yes, that's everything in terms of like one for me. That is my opinion. And if you disagree, then I don't care. <laughs> well done. I like that opinion. I don't disagree. Oh, I wasn't talking to you, I'm talking to the audience. Well, if you disagree, then I don't care. Would you like to comment below? <laughs> I think that it is one of the best James Bonds. <clears throat> I've said that to, about so many of them, but this is really one of the best. I don't think it's the best 80s one because I think You Took a Kill was probably the best. You Took a Kill was good, yeah. Yeah, but it's very pop. But this is like classic Bond. Aye. This was the next one. You mentioned about the wee bits where you were saying about things that didn't really make any sense. I, th- I liked Q's involvement. How I, like, he was involved a lot in it. Yes, I liked his involvement there. I thought it the, the gadgets kind of made sense and they didn't make sense. How he's yes. he's brought he's brought gadgets to uh-huh. I don't know he's brought gadgets to be quite stealthy. I don't know if that's just him trying to get them through customs because he's he's on holiday. He's yeah, not there on official he's... business. He's just brought this enormous tube of toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> then I was going to ask a cigarette pack that bleeps and lights up. Yep. How he got on a plane, I don't know. This camera. Which is the gun? This camera, which for some reason has a rifle scope <laughs> in the and case, bullets in it. <laughs> and uh, and of the palm reader, I think was just that was right into the plot. I think it was yeah. like, well, we need this person to pick it up. It doesn't work, and then they'll be like, well, how do you have this? Why would some person have this technology? Yeah. Oh, that's MI six for some reason, yes. and then obviously it was taken in. No, Skyfall. Skyfall, yes, used, which is very good. I, I, I actually forgot that they had that palm reader in this, and I was like, that, oh, that's very modern. But it turns out we just stole it from yeah. the 80s. That, um, the walkie-talkie broom. And then... <laughs> <laughs> did, did he build that there? <laughs> he built that there, and then he surely did not fly from London there with a broom. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's thousands of pounds <laughs> of research <laughs> on a broom. That and the the sort of update of the crocodile, which is the manta ray disguise. Oh yeah, I thought at first it was a real manta ray that he was just like holding on to, but then I was like, actually no. But it made me wonder, That'd like the cruel. boat is on a trajectory. Mm-hmm. Either he knew the trajectory of that manta ray so fast they're like, there's something there, and he's just looked. Try to keep up with this boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just those are cuddly bits. You obviously were saying that this is John Glenn's last movie. Yes, and he went with all the jump scares in this. Yeah, he did to add to the the adult themes. So there was the pigeon in the window. Yep, that was a classic. I got that one. There was the shark jumping up to the cat. Uh, the shark okay. he jumped at. Um, there's another jump scare which was a strange jump scare for me, but. 
I want to know what one do you have, and if you have this weird one. I don't have it. I only had the, the pigeon one. Because I thought that was... The, was it not birds? Yes. It always, it always, had, birds it always had a bird at the window. But the uh, the fish ornament... I don't know why I found that really... The fish ornament? So see when James Bond gets knocked out... He gets knocked out and... Um, when he's kidnapped by the Chinese... And he comes to... And they come uh, find yeah. it when he goes... And he goes... And he looks... And then there's just this weird, like, fat, like... Fish oh, yeah, thing. What is that all And about? the music goes... And I'm like... Why? Yeah, why Why did you need to do that? Why, why was that not cut? Yeah, what I noticed... all about? I noticed that as a thing. Just because I was like... That's a really ugly ornament. Like, what's... Yeah. What's why this for? To this? <laughs> <laughs> what's this for? Yeah, I was like... Is this going to come back? Is this a plot device? <laughs> I thought you were you were meaning the fish right at the very end that winks. That was probably a downer for yeah, me. Yeah, it's like, what's this for? And then they don't <laughs> even go back to License to Kill. They go to some other, other song. song. Uh-huh. Play, play to your strengths. Play the big song. Yeah. That was good. Would you like to, to hear the third question? Yes. I wonder if you'll know this one. This is probably the hardest one. Um, so they have that sort of minister guy who tries to get money. Like like every, like every televangelist. Tele- <laughs> they have a televangelist. Um, I would like to know what is the phone number to ring to get through. <sighs> That's a good question. I've no idea. <laughs> Not a clue. <laughs> I've got uh, I've got actually two questions for you that I would like you okay. to answer. I don't know the answers to these in the audience. So why was this Timothy Dalton's last movie after two and also what happened to timothy dalton's third movie so that was put kind of put together but then nothing happened yeah. tell me a wise one so timothy dalton famously only has two films and as right before this film the second film license to kill was released they'd already started working on treatments and plots for the third one. I thought you could say the movie was called Treatments. No. That would be a weird <laughs> film. <laughs> completely romantic comedy. <laughs> um, so they'd had it, they'd started with their treatments and their uh, whatever, their, their scripts and stuff, uh, storyboarding. But for some reason, it never went through. And I, for years and years, didn't understand why it had six years of a gap between the two films, this one and GoldenEye. But since discovered that at the time, MGM, like it always does every few years, just going bust, had no money. Um, and it was getting bought over. Mm-hmm. So it was getting bought over and then everything that they owned or had a, a stake in was going to get bought over as well by this company. I think it was a French company, but I can't pronounce okay. it. Um, and obviously, <coughs> I'll, uh, Broccoli... Cubby was like, I don't agree with this sale. Mm-hmm. So he had to, he resisted and was like, I can't sell all my stuff. I don't want the film rights to go to this new company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was a big de- trust French <laughs> legal debate of how, how are you going to resolve this? We're getting sold uh, and you're getting sold with us. And he was like, I don't want to be sold, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it took six years for that all to get figured out, basically. Right. So that was it. It was just this stereotypical legal battle over money and distribution rights because MGM can't make a profit. <laughs> and now Amazon owns <laughs> Yeah. 
So that was that was the reason, and because it took so many years, uh-huh. uh, nineteen ninety four, Timothy Dalton was like, I've had enough of waiting, mm-hmm. so just left. Because I wasn't sure if he was maybe thinking he was like too old or such, but well, once the legal battles were all resolved and everybody was happy, he was asked, "Do mm-hmm. you want to do a third one?" And he's like, "It'll still be like it'll be five years after your your last film." And he was like, "Nah, times have changed. I've moved on." Mm-hmm. And he just kind of let it go. Which is why he never came back for a third one. Mm. Not because the studios didn't want him. He was offered the role again, even though his contract had lapsed. Mm-hmm. It was him that turned it down and said he's been out of it too long. What he would have done? What he would have actually just brought that same like aggression back to it? Or maybe toned it down a bit? Because the third film, that they had treatments from some of the stories where there was going to be... A, released in 1991 and as far as we know it was going to be called Property of a Lady but I don't quite know where they get that I name the octopus is short which story, is a sort of story but I don't know how it fits with the, the story that they made up for the film because it was about a Chinese uh, the government the Chinese, some guy in Hong Kong uh-huh. blows up a nuclear base in Scotland and then Vaseline, <laughs> probably. Uh-huh. And it was supposed to be about um, him trying to start World War Three, and this is a big, grand James right, Bond okay. film. And it was going to be about um, robotics because it was the 90s and robots. I've heard and stuff. bits of us, yeah. And it was going to be about James, and basically it was going to be James Bond versus robots. <sighs> Which doesn't sound great. <laughs> but, but it was supposed to be like he's some guy steals a stealth plane and tries to use it to start World War Three, which gets recycled. That idea gets recycled. Or never dies. It was something like that. Cause I'd heard there was bits where they'd taken certain characters and put them in yeah. the, the films coming up. For that. I knew like Tomorrow be... Never Dies was gonna be a thing and then there was like parts of Die Another Day where People yeah. were put in certain positions. And there was going to be, he was going to go to China or something and link up with the guy who trained him to be a secret agent. And then that guy turns out to be a villain, which is kind of like 006, kind of gets rehashed there. As Batman begins. <laughs> <laughs> yes, basically. So it was, there was like three or four different plots that they were going to go with. So it was all, there was a poster and everything made for this film because it was oh, like, was right. it was only going to, it was going to be like out in 18 months. So they had to like get the ball rolling. Uh-huh. And then obviously all this legal stuff happened. Never happened. And that never happened. So there's actually a book called The Lost Adventures of James Bond, right. which goes over Timothy's third and fourth film because they had like a, fourth a one as well of a fourth film as well. And it just explains everything. He was just like, nah. But I, nah. I think he was like, I don't know if he was too old, but he was just like done with the role. I think he maybe... He messed around too much, <clears throat> I guess. I think he's maybe on the, the the kind of momentum of doing one and another one coming out two years after. Mm-hmm. And then you get five years. And it's him kind of trying to come back at like a physical shape of doing the movies because yeah. they are quite physically demanding. But then been like, is this... What do I want to do now? What do I... Uh-huh. Like, if people in the last movie were like, oh, it was maybe a bit too aggressive, maybe a bit too violent, does he then think, oh, I want to make a bit more of a sensitive bond? Like, it was very caring bond in Living Daylights. Yeah. And then really just rage fueled bond in Places to Kill. It's like, what's next? Just completely zen bond. (laughs) Yeah. What other emotion can we put in? The bomb's going to go off. Relax. 
meditate. Just, just chill. Everything will be fine. But in the end, I think the right decision was made. New decade, new bond, new young audience. You can't imagine anyone else other than Pierce Brosnan no. and Goldeneye. Pierce no, Brosnan is in Goldeneye. Yeah. And that is something you guys will have to wait <laughs> for. Maybe till next time when we look at Goldeneye. So at this point, Jack and I have to apologise because we have the video for the last nine minutes of the episode, but we actually do not have the audio. Something happened, some technical issue, where we have experienced a technical difficulty, and so cannot continue with the audio of this section. But just so you've not missed out on what we were talking about, Jack went on to discuss rather funny translations of James Bond movies, which we are going to discuss in the next episode, just to make sure that you're not missing out on that. And for any of those who were wondering where we were ranking this, Jack ranked Licence to Kill mid-table, believe it or not, below Diamonds Up Forever, and I, Derek, ranked it first, above Goldfinger, much to Jack's annoyance. In fact, he's actually not stopped talking about this since the episode was filmed. So, let us know what you think, if you agree or disagree. And as we said at the beginning of this voiceover, apologies, as we wanted everyone to hear this last snippet of the episode. But, as Jack said just before I took over with the voiceover, we will see you in the next episode, which will be Goldeneye, which we are both looking forward to. And as always, thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.